This week, Microsoft is defending Copilot users, ReadPop is abandoning E3, X wants to keep its secrets, and Sony sues a TV museum for copyright violations. It's Sunday, September 10th, 2023, and this is episode 654 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on uh, social media, Facebook, X, formerly Twitter, Instagram or Snapchat, through our live streaming services, livestream.com, Twitch, our new friends over on Kick or on YouTube where you can join the community and get ad-free episodes of F5 Live and Pilch Point, or of course on our website, plugkidslive.com. Uh, thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio. Give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. If you're not able to join us live, that's okay as well. Plunkitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plunkits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, you'll find all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. All right. Uh, two weeks in a row. <laughs> oh, good to be feeling a little bit back to normal, Avram. How have you been this week? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, seemed to go by really fast. Um, I mean, kids started school, so that was stressing me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know why it shouldn't be stressing me out still since they already, since they're now they're in it and I got to get them there. But, uh, but nevertheless, <laughs> at least we kind of know, you know, what classes my son has and well, that's good. You know, what teacher my daughter has and stuff like that. So, you know, um, well, you know, it's okay. Um, I won't bore everybody with it, but, uh, I'm, almost done with my magnum opus on how AIs think versus how humans think. Um, I'd like to have some more. I mean, one of the things that's really difficult in that is just trying to figure out how to explain how humans learn because humans learn uh, is human learning is the brain. Human brain is still somewhat of a mystery, although we do know some things about it. Um, so yeah that's you you've jumped into an already complicated topic and then added technology into it yes yes um because i really want to and i think i've said this on the show before i really want to talk about the difference between human learning and machine learning because i feel like uh people are being bamboozled uh we, I know we have a segment on AI today, so we can um, with Microsoft Copilot, so we can we could certainly uh, bring it up there. But I, I just feel like people are being uh, bamboozled by words like machine learning and mm-hmm. training and artificial intelligence. I mean, these are standard words, so I got to use them. But right. I think we should be honest about the fact that there's a, a lot of connotations in there about you know something being like a 
human learns and therefore having certain, you know, intelligence and rights and sentience uh, that the machines just don't have. Yeah. But Yeah, makes sense. It's it has been a fascinating like general topic for us as we have talked AI a lot. Um, and like you said, we're going to hit it again in, in just a minute. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things that you and I get. Um, I've been inside neural networks many times, you know, having built that on them early, early, early. Um, at, it doesn't work at all the way people think that they work or do what they think they do. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so AI is fascinating. Um, we also have been working on a lot of stuff over here. I know I teased uh, last week. There's things just out of frame that you can't see that are happening, which I'm very excited about. Um, we've actually evolved the concept this week. Um, I'm going to, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever done this, Avram, because you do all kinds of weird projects. Have you done epoxy? Epoxy. Yeah. Like no, pouring epoxy. epoxy. We're going to do an epoxy pour with the logo. <laughs> that's going to go on the wall in the revamped studio. Very excited about that. Um, it, it came to oh, me. Oh, you know what? I think uh, I think my wife has done some things like that with her crafting. Oh, yeah? Um, but, yeah, um, but not for a while. Uh, I mean, is it something you could 3D print uh, instead, or um, epoxy so, is just much easier? So it's going to go, it's going to be really cool. So, a uh, little inside baseball for everybody. Um, we're going to use a CNC to mill out um, the dot in the Plug Hits Live logo. I don't have anything available that easily shows the dot in it right now. No. Um, so, the dot over the eye in the Plug Hits Live logo is going to become more prominent across all the brands. Um, and... I guess you'll see it in a little bit when the Pilch Point logo comes up because it's in there too. Um, but uh, we're going to do a pattern of that and we're going to pour clear epoxy between all of the the wooden bits and then we're going to illuminate from behind. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a really fun project. Um, I've been talking with uh, Vicky over at Amrock about how to put it together. I found a, a video and I sent it to her. She goes, yes, what? Yes. <laughs> I've been wanting to do like an epoxy table and this is way over the top. Let's go. So <laughs> I'm very excited about doing it. It's going to be a fun project. Uh, it's going to live here in the set. It's going to be really cool. Um, anyway, just... A project we've been working on as part of the the revamp in here should be uh should be a fun one um got lots of fun new stuff coming that we're very excited about uh but for right now we have a ton of content to get to before we do real quick i just want to say 
Um, I'm not going to give any context to it or anything. Um, just want to say hi to our friend Alice from the National Day calendar. Uh, we keep the logo here on the on the desk all the time. Uh, just, just saying hi to her. She knows why. Um, so, anyway, uh, we are going to be leaving Facebook and uh, Twitter now. So if you are watching us over there, it is time to join us over on Twitch, Kick, or YouTube. Best way to do that is by going to f5live.tv slash join us. Uh, you can do that right now uh, while we get ready for the rest of the show. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, tablet, Xbox, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. Remember, current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% off almost everything. To browse the products and learn more about the discounts, you can go to f5live.tv Microsoft. All right. Speaking of Microsoft and AI, as we were just talking about in the intro, um, this week Microsoft announced something a little unexpected. Um, they are calling it the Copilot Copyright Commitment. Now, if you don't know what Copilot is, it is the, I guess, the newest name for uh, Microsoft's suite of pre-built machine learning uh, products. Uh, across their products. Office has it. Windows has it. Uh, GitHub slash Visual Studio has it. Um, in the past, tools like this would have been branded under Cortana. Now they're being branded under Copilot. Um, and they are things like, kind of like the Bing chat, right? The, the GPT-based chat on Bing, uh, that will be built into Windows as well. Um, some stuff in Skype, some things kind of all over the place, all under the Copilot. Um, as we've talked about many times over the last couple of months, any of these systems have their problems, um, both potentially ethically and legally, uh, in the way that they ingest, interpret, and then regurgitate content. Um, in particular, there's the plagiarism issue. Now, Avram and I have been very clear about our, our stance on this stuff uh, for, for the generalized content, um, but lots of people are not using it, not necessarily because they have ethical issues with it, but because they're afraid of the potential legal uh, aspects of it, where they're afraid that they will get hit with copyright. Um, you know, Avram did... Uh, two or three months ago, we did a segment on Google, uh, and and he literally showed us uh, quotes that Google had pulled wholesale from other websites where they'd come from. Uh, and obviously, you don't want that in content you're going to consider publishing, because if they find you and come after you, theoretically, you're still liable because you're the one that published it. Well... 
Microsoft has made the commitment that if a problem like that occurs from its co-pilot technology, again, Windows, um, I think it, uh, it applies to the standard Bing, even if you're not in the sidebar in Windows, uh, where else? Uh, GitHub and where's the other co-pilot that just, oh, Office, right. Um, uh, that they will support you from a legal and a financial standpoint, which is interesting. It's a little bit like they're challenge, either challenging their own technology to, uh, to defy them, or they're saying we're confident that that's not going to happen. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting move. It's obviously, it's not going to change my stance on it, and I don't suspect it'll change Avram's stance either, but it's definitely an interesting move, right, Avram? I'm not getting any yeah, sound it, Oh, there you go. I mean, I... So, you know, this reminds me a little bit of, didn't we talk about Elon Musk saying that he would pay for somebody's uh, law legal fees if they get fired for something they said on Twitter? Mm-hmm. Or, or something like that, mm-hmm. or they get in sued for something they say on Twitter, or yeah. something like that. It, I, I mean, first of all, you know, with the things that Elon Musk says, we can never quite say whether they're really whether he's really going to do it. So maybe he wasn't thinking through the fact that he probably won't have to do it. But the reality is, the chance of somebody being sued for that is pretty slim. Because, well, first of all, a lot of the things that are in Copilot are not really, they're not really stuff that you would say is word for word plagiarized. And Copilot, um, I mean, so if we're talking about Copilot, we're really talking about Bing Chat. The whole right. Copilot thing, particularly as it's implemented in the OS, uh, perhaps maybe it's a little different in like Office. But as it's implemented Windows, in the OS... Windows and Office in, in seem Windows. to be, give or take, the same thing. Uh, uh, the GitHub Copilot seems to be a well, that's, yeah, slightly that's a different, different product, version, but right? yeah. And also Visual Studio has some kind of uh, Copilot thing, too. Yeah. But, um, but what I find um, interesting about it is, really, it's Bing Chat. Right, that's what it is. It's just an interface into Bing Chat, and Bing Chat mm-hmm. is a flavor of GPT-4, um, and actually a better flavor in some ways than you'll get by signing up for a premium premium account on OpenAI, because Bing has like up to date. I mean, not that I necessarily like this, but Bing has up to date uh, web information that GPT right. uh, that that OpenAI does not have unless you use a plugin. Um, so. Until you their know, bot rolls out. what it is. Right. Uh, so, what's, so what's the, like, you know, the story here? I mean, there are a number of lawsuits against OpenAI now, and there are some lawsuits against Google, uh, but none that I'm aware of against Microsoft, although you could say uh, if they're suing OpenAI, they're kind of by implication suing Microsoft, although Microsoft's not being held legally liable uh, at this point. But, you know, Microsoft is 
uh, an investor at OpenAI, and they have they're using GPT 3.5 or GPT 4 in their tools. So uh, the lawsuits that have been filed have been filed over things being used in the training data that were clearly visible in the output. But the interesting question is, like, is the basis of the lawsuit the output of the um, the individual outputs of the bot, or is it really the fact that it took something to use as training data and therefore it used my intellectual property to build the software? Mm-hmm. So there's in the case of like Google SGE, they like word for they word for word plagiarize some things. And now we're kind of getting to a point where they're getting a little bit better at laundering the plagiarism. Uh, but OpenAI is really good at laundering the plagiarism right now. They don't normally word for word. I haven't seen too much word for word copying there. And I, I will give Microsoft some props in that unlike OpenAI or Google, they actually do give footnotes and cite sources, uh, which, you know, it's not a defense against copyright infringement necessarily, but they are not claiming credit for, for, for facts. So, um, I think that probably most of the people who are suing, um, actually, hmm, I take this back a little bit. If you were sued for did they say specifically infringement or any type of lawsuit uh infringement i think uh because from ai copyright lawsuits uh ai copyright lawsuits so here's something interesting i guess this is infringement right so chances are if people are suing the company that makes the model they're going to come after either OpenAI or Microsoft, not necessarily right. someone who's using uh, using it. Although, if your output too closely resembles somebody else's, I don't know, novel or something, mm-hmm. then you might have a problem. Uh, but there could be uh, a there could be a Yelp style lawsuit, right? When when Google was pulling content and publishing it. They weren't necessarily pulling everything. Right. They were pulling bits and pieces, and Yelp hit them for for a copyright infringement. Uh, if you publish something that that Microsoft, that Copilot generated based on somebody else's content, you may not know it's infringement, uh, and Microsoft may not know it's infringement. But somewhere in there, it could still be. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to. So first of all, it's hard to. I think a lot of these companies are counting on. Uh, Microsoft, OpenAI, and uh, you know, and Google are counting on uh, themselves getting classified. What they're doing with training data being classified as fair use, which uh, the government has not, which has not been determined. But I think everybody is waiting with uh, bated breath to see. Uh, so Microsoft is counting on it. Of course, they want. They pro- They probably don't think that anyone's really going to come after the individual users or that the um, or that the output will be close enough to really 
count as as plagiarism anyway. Um, I mean, but I think where they may not be thinking about it is is whether the bot is doing something to infringe on copyrighted characters and and story elements. So they can't like. That's interesting. Uh, people who write journalistic texts like myself are probably the least protected against what's going on with with AI training because they can say, well, even though you're the only one or, you know, we got all these facts from you, well, that's okay because they're facts and facts can't be copyrighted, only expressions can. So they can they can steal a lot from you. Yeah. And and get away with it under the law. But if you if you ask the, the co-pilot to write you some kind of story about uh, Mickey Mouse, oh, I shouldn't say Mickey Mouse because he's, he's partially in the, going into the public domain or something. If you ask to write you a story about Indiana Jones or something, and then you uh, and then you try to sell that and profit off of it, so it's not fan fiction or whatever, mm-hmm. then um, then I think you know you could be sued because the characters are the characters or situations or whatever are copyrighted so theoretically speaking like that's an area where someone could be sued but more likely if i were uh, a major ip holder like a warner brothers or disney or something disney I, would, for sure. I would be you know sharpening my claws about how they are how I haven't really tested this in Copilot, so maybe they've managed to lock this off. But Google is more than willing to write you not safe for work story about yeah. copyrighted characters. And if you were to write such a story on your on your own without help, that would be fan fiction. And fan fiction usually, I don't know, is protected as fair use or as long as you don't profit off of it is mm-hmm. considered to be mainly okay. But um but if but you could make a really strong argument i think that microsoft or the ai vendor is profiting off of their ability to generate this text for someone yeah even if they're not charging money for it uh they're getting audience or selling ads whatever so driving people to their platform whatever it is right so they are using um you know the copyrighted materials without per- the copyrighted stories and concepts or whatever without permission uh, they could be sued for that now whether so microsoft is taking a little bit of a risk i think that they are trying to be really i think they think that they're never going to have to deliver on this so it's possible um they are currently uh defendant in uh, three different platform-based lawsuits. Uh, one from November of last year. Uh, I don't remember who brought that one. One from June of this year that I think came from Clarkson. And then uh, one that was filed last week, um, ironically, from Morgan & Morgan, the personal injury law firm that's based down the street from here. Uh, <laughs> um so I mean, I, they're already in the thick of it, and I think they're hoping that they can 
that those can start putting up some shields that will prevent them from having to participate in future ones, even from a consumer side. That's my guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you were a, um, if you were one of the companies that is suing now, one of the law firms that is suing now, like they're not interested in, they, it's unlikely that they would have much, um, will or desire benefit to go after some individual like well who's who's using copilot for a purpose that would get them sued right true true so i mean what, um, are, what are you using it for sales proposals i mean if you use it to write a novel which i don't think it can even do something of that length like and, and you use copyrighted characters then you're then you have some problems, but I think those are problems you would have even if you didn't use Copilot to write it for you. Yeah, because there's other there's other products, you know, um, used to be called Jarvis. What is it now? Jasper, uh, things like that that are more designed for long form content. Right. I mean, it's not an ideal platform for these things so i i don't think it's too problematic i think the image generators like stability ai um maybe have a bigger problem because they're using pieces of images that could be from you know from getty or something mm -hmm. and if they and i could see somebody like a getty like it's not going to be for using it in your sales presentation, right? It's going to be for if let's say you now I pity the the newspaper or magazine or whoever that actually feels that they should be using AI generated art like this, but mm -hmm. you know, I guess it would be hey, you know, if you're a large company and or some kind of company and you're in, in media and you use one of these things to generate an image for you or something then maybe someone who owns a stock library that that image training is based on mm -hmm. could sue and that's why i think did we talk about that adobe is doing this with firefly yeah that they have said that they will they will i guess indemnify any anyone um who uses a service but at least there they have a pretty good claim to the training data they got it from people who were participating in Firefly and, right. you know, whether deliberately or not kind of agreed to it. So to have their data used this way. So, it, I mean, I guess Microsoft is, I think Microsoft is just figuring that there's not going to be much of an appetite. A, I think they think they're going to win the lawsuits that they're in, but they probably also don't see much of an appetite for uh, anyone to sue uh, for anyone to sue the individuals who use the product. And so coming out and saying this, even though they probably will never have to stand behind it is good PR for them yeah. because they don't want anyone to be frightened off from using their tool. Yeah. Makes sense. It's kind of what I was, what I had brought myself to was the idea that maybe this was, you know, a way of publicly 
saying we have faith in our product while privately saying it ain't going to happen. Yeah. I think that they haven't, I think that they probably did the a calculation like Microsoft's a smart mm-hmm. company. It's not like uh, Elon Musk with Twitter, where he probably says things without consulting a lawyer or, or consulting someone who might say no to him. Right. I'm right. sure before Microsoft issued this statement, they actually had a sit down with, with their cat head counsel or something yeah. and, and tried to figure out whether they would, whether, they could actually afford to live up to this, how they would, how much they would have to live up to it, uh, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just as a note, um, I just had a poem written in the style of a romance novel about Indiana Jones and Marion. So yes, uh, Microsoft will do it as well. (laughs) Right. Just as a note. So, and I didn't even, I didn't prompt Marion. I just prompted Indiana Jones and it filled in his love interest automatically. Right. So on the other hand, who's to be sued for that? Who should be sued for that? Not probably not you, probably Microsoft because they, uh, they are profiting from it. Now, if you take that, uh, if you take that and you put it somewhere and you, publish it and you try to collect money on it in, in some way, then Disney could sue you. Right. But I'm not even sure if Microsoft would have to defend you because what you were guilty of is not, not really the fault of the AI. It's your fault for publishing it. True. For trying to profit off of it. Cause if you wrote that yourself, you would also be in trouble. Right. So uh, if you, I think, so, the, I think the difference is, if I had written likely, because I haven't gone and done a, a plagiarism check on what it just sent back, but let's assume that there's no plagiarism in in the content here, right? If I had written these exact same words, I'm liable. All right. If, however, you know, a line or two of this were taken directly from somebody else's content, then... I'm liable to Disney, but Microsoft would be liable to whoever they stole from if they decide to come after me for the for that. You know I what I that, love about this I whole think that's story? our line. Yes, yes. You know what I love about this whole story? It's sort of like going to a CD pawn shop and you go Are there, there and types? you're like I, I don't go to pawn shops, so I don't know if there's a right you know, what about the one on pawn stars? Are they not CD? Are they more up upper class up you know anyway they i don't know that place is barely bigger class. than my studio so I, it doesn't look inside the way it looks like on the tv show oh okay so <laughs> anyway it's like you went to the pawn shop and you're and you and they put up a sign saying don't worry if these are stolen goods if these turn out to be stolen goods and the police come to collect it we'll give you your money back yeah, yeah, you could be... shop with confidence knowing that if the police demand it back, we'll give you the money. Yeah. Or uh, if you're arrested, we'll, pe- we'll put up your bond. Because, yeah. because that's the thing, right? Like, let's say we were to publish an article written 
from AI. And it had the same problem as the search results that you encountered, right? That it was stealing content directly from competitors. You know, whole sentences, sometimes several sentences in a row. Um, where was I headed with this? It... Uh, so what would it do to our reputation? Right, yeah, right, right. In addition to the legal issues, even if Microsoft were to pay all of that, if our article were to steal from you directly and your company were to sue and Microsoft goes, don't worry, we got this, you're still going to write about it. Our reputation is still well, destroyed, right? We've, so we have seen publications get kicked in the face over this already. Now, they haven't necessarily lost everything like a smaller publication might but we still talk about it and we can't be the so, only ones right so so if it went so far as to be in court and microsoft's involved you know the notoriety of it goes through the roof there's a whole i don't know anymore if if like the bar is so amazingly low for ai mm -hmm. that for AI content that we are all willing to, well, I'd say we're all, I'm not willing, but, but I guess people are willing to accept garbage. And if you put up AI content on your site like this, and you're not, you know, you're not using it as like to assist you with your own text, but like to write things for you, mm -hmm. then you're asking for trouble. You're asking to, to be humiliated, yeah. but nevertheless, a bunch of respectable publishers have used it because they seemingly because they wanted to save money. So, you know, geo media used it on Gizmodo mm -hmm. and uh, red ventures used it on, on CNET and Bankrate. And um, i trying to think of who else uh, also, didn't we see, see it on uh, Buzzfeed? So yeah. there've been a bunch but of places I that have used, BuzzFeed News like fired most of its staff, and I think they've gone. They got rid of their news, so they don't even have. Yeah, I don't think they even have news, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. But, uh, so but the point is, the these companies put this out there, and it happens again and again and again. Oh, there was a story. I'm sorry, I get obsessed with this stuff. So so I, you'll you'll have to forgive me. The, there was a story. This, but to your point. There was a story this past week about a local newspaper. Uh, I think it was a Gannett uh, one that had used AI to write some, a, some sports stories. These are thought to be like something you can trust AI with because somehow they get the facts. I don't know if, if there's no human writer, how they know what the box score is or what happened, but somehow they got the facts of a football game, uh, of a high school football game, and it wrote an AI and an AI wrote a story, but they were humiliated because it had let because it had a bunch of errors in it, and even had where the names of the team were was it was like in brackets, like insert team name here or something, uh, and and uh, they said that they, now they have to have to stop because they're embarrassed. But if companies looked into what was actually involved in you know, in AI content and what they get from AI content, the level of reliability, they wouldn't do it. It's, yeah. it's a, a 
cost-cutting measure that's designed to replace human labor with, a, with an extremely cheap, cheap alternative. At this point, I'm not going to say that it'll never be good at this work, but it's, but it doesn't seem like it's very close to being good at this work. Yeah. But nevertheless, there are a lot of companies that are charging ahead with it. And the reason that they're charging ahead with it is because is because a it sounds cool because that's what the some of our friends in the media have have made it sound like investors like it oh wow you're cutting edge and you're saving money uh-huh. and you know they want to save money but the problem is it's a very cynical exercise because what it really shows is that you don't care about your readers it really yeah. shows that you you don't care about your readers you take them for granted you 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 figure whatever you spit out they're willing to take and um and and the same you you don't care whether you you think google is a sucker too if you're going for search placement so because the quality is never there so whether it's plagiarized or not there's a lot of problems with with the ai generated content including lots of wrong facts Uh, i believe that they actually found some plagiarism in uh some of the cnet articles that were published a while back right um but yeah even if they even if they found a word here and a a word there like you know phrase here and a phrase there like they've got bigger problems you know than whether they plagiarize a sentence or two their their problem is that 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 they're they can't stand behind the articles because they didn't write them they just had somebody copy and paste them so you know the uh so anyway to make a short story long Microsoft is probably not going to have to defend anybody, but the people who use AI to generate uh, stuff for media and unless they're using it to just kind of help clean up their work or give them some ideas or get them started or whatever, and then have a thoroughly uh, expert human uh, doing the real authorship, uh, they're going to have problems because it's not reliable. Yeah. Absolutely. There, this is almost certainly far from the last time that a topic like this is going to come up. Uh, we will see a lot more of this over time. Although even the, the CEO of OpenAI has said that the moment might be passing. So we'll see exactly what, uh, what the future holds on this. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. You can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right, so we're not going to talk about AI uh, tonight. <laughs> we're going to talk about a cool little device that's sitting in front of you, right? Yes, we're going to give AI. Well, because we already talked about it. Indeed, we're give it in, in this seg in this segment a break. So uh, here I've got a neat little toy that I wanted to show everybody, and this is the Pimeroni uh, Badger. Uh, it's actually the Badger Two Forty. 
2040W. So what uh, what it is is it is a an electronic e-ink badge. I mean, you could use it not as a badge if you want because it's got a lot of cool features. But uh, it has so it has like a little clip spot so you can take a lanyard and put it on here and you can wear it and it has wi-fi and you can plug in if you want there's a little i have it plugged in by usb at the moment but obviously if you were wearing it what you'd do is you take a battery pack and you plug it into this little uh white white spot here uh and you could uh, take something like this this battery pack here which is a couple of double a's uh, or you can get uh, more compactly a lithium-ion battery and maybe stick it to the back. Now, the interesting thing is because it's e-ink, if you put the badge uh, message on here that you want while it is plugged in, you could just wear it with no battery, use it with no battery. You just can't use any of the features. It'll just show the, the badge feature. Uh, but let's talk about what it has. Um, so... Uh, and by the way, I should say that this is powered by a Raspberry Pi Pico W, uh, and it's pretty cheap. It's about, I think, $25 from Pimeroni, uh, Pimeroni.com. It's like 20, I got it on sale. It's like 20 something pounds. Yeah, you have to order from Pimeroni.com, which will ship it to you from England, uh, but the shipping's not that much. So anyway, so there's a few features on it. It has it comes. It, you could program it in MicroPython, but it comes with its own little UI that you can easily mess with. So uh, one thing here is the badge feature. You can. So I'm going to click that. It takes us. You know, being e-ink, it takes a second to draw. So here's my badge that I made. Um, it has. You can fill in whatever text you want, an image you want. It is grayscale, so not the like clearest image but pretty decent you can put uh you know your name your company other stuff on the other lines if you wish um to go back to now let's go back to the main menu sometimes going back to the main menu isn't as easy as it should be and i gotta like reset it um let's see i reset it okay Sometimes the easiest way to reset it is to just go and turn it off and on. So anyway, so you can see that besides that, you get a clock. Um, let's see what the, what the clock does. You can press this. It takes a second to draw everything because it's e-ink. And it should tell me what time it is. Not that you... Oops, I don't think the clock was set. So... <laughs> uh, Let's see. Let's go back to home. Okay, so now there's an ebook reader, and you can you can put like a little ebook on here, and you can use these buttons here to scroll, which is kind of cool. Um, besides that, there is a going to the next level. So you can control the fonts, things like that. You can do image viewing on here. Let's see, they've got an image of a badger, literally a badger. Um, you can have, um, you know, a to-do list on here. Let's see where the to-do, oh, it's like a checklist, actually. So like your, 
your uh, shopping list if you go to the grocery store or something. Um, but my favorite one is the news and weather. So there's a news one here, and you can put it, pull it up, and then you can have and it pulls in headlines from RSS that you you know whatever RSS that you choose. So these are from like BBC News, and this is a recent headline. And then if you hit hit the down button, you can see more headlines, and there's like a little QR code that uh, you could scan to actually take you with a you know another device like your phone that would take you to the website. Um, there's also a weather one here. So try that. So. That is going to tell you. Takes a second to draw because it's and it's got to pull it off of the internet. So I'm gonna not do it because I'm watching. Let's see. It should pull up a like a little weather thing. But what is it saying? Connecting. It's got to be going over my Wi-Fi network and getting RSS feed from this open feed of stuff and. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Well, that was working like right. The weather one was working like right before. Try it one more time. Connecting. If not, well, you get the point. It will show you like a little rain cloud and the temperature. Oh, there we yeah, go. There you go. There you go. So um, I'm still trying to figure out how to make it show Fahrenheit because this is programmed by British people. It shows it in, in Celsius. Um, I was able to put my latitude and longitude. So it actually says like what the weather is near me, but it, it doesn't, um, it still does it in Celsius. So I had to figure out, figure out how to change that. But other than that, I think it's pretty cool. What I would like really like to do with it actually is I would like to, um, have it show an RSS feed of Tom's hardware stuff and, um, yep. And, uh, you know, wear it around and then, you know, with the QR codes and have people uh, scan them. I have, you know, a couple other Pimeroni things that sort of do this. I have their uh, color e-ink one. Which, let me see it it's over here. Yeah. Right. Um, I have their color e-ink one, which I have picture up on now. But you could, you know, do a similar thing. But it doesn't come with this UI on it, uh, so you kind of have to make it yourself. And that is a little bit big to wear. It's five inches, so it looks kind of big and heavy. Um, and they make a four-inch one, but still a little big and heavy, whereas this is, a, I think, a really nice size uh, to wear. Plus, the color ones are really kind of expensive, like $80, $90. So if you spilled food on it, you'd feel really bad. Whereas this is like 20 something bucks, so you wouldn't feel this bad. There's also a non Wi Fi version that's like five pounds cheaper. Um, so if you were just going to wear it around and not have it on the network, then um, that would be another thing you could do. But um, what do you think? Would you use something like this? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've got the website up. Yeah. <laughs> It, I'm it's, I'm already thinking about having it at CES with the QR code and being able to send people to the live show while I'm out and about and doing things. Or 
I can literally put it on uh, the person who's doing cat herding for the live show. So when guests come up uh, to check in, they can scan the QR code and check themselves in. I... Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I I'm think in. it's cool to be able to I think it's cool to be able to put QR codes on it. Um, I mean, I think one small challenge, and they have some badge holders you can 3D print for this, is you know if you want to put the battery on the back, then you're gonna, you know, so. So if you want, so here's the back, right? Mm -hmm. And if you want to put the ba a battery on the back, you connect it to here. But you know, you probably don't want, although I have been known to do this, to take something like this and like run a giant long wire into your pocket sure. or run it down your shirt. It's kind of that's kind of clunky. You can get a lithium ion battery that's fairly small, and then if you printed a badge holder, you could kind of put it in the badge holder, and you could kind of wear it that way. That might be the best solution, uh, or you could kind of, ha you know, stick it with Velcro or something to the back of this. Um, so that, like, powering it is a little bit of a challenge, uh, but you know, but if but still, if you're, if you're thinking about, you know, putting it on and not having an update and just having it do a thing, then yeah, uh, yeah, if you no don't, problem. If you don't. Right. If you don't want it to update in real time or whatever, you just say, oh, okay, I'm wearing the QR code. I'm wearing my thing. And then later when I come back to my computer, I want, I can, I can always change it. Then, then you're golden, right? Cause it's EA. It doesn't need to have power to, to just keep displaying. It's, it's, and you know, and it'll work outside. Right. Uh, right. It'll, I mean, what I mean by that is it'll be visible in the sunlight. Right. Whereas I have another Pimeroni badge here that I don't know if I showed it before that is like this much prettier looking, um, right? This is the, uh, this is the Tufty 2040, which is another product that they make. And this is a color LCD screen. It's also around the same price, although this doesn't have Wi-Fi built in. Uh, maybe they will build it in eventually. Let's see if the power is... If I still have battery in here, it's going to go. Hmm. Guess not. All right. Th so this looks much nicer. Like it looks much, much nicer uh, when you look at it because it's full color uh, LCD screen. Uh, but if you want to keep wearing it around, <laughs> you better have this battery. So I have worn this to things uh, and you know, it was really clunky because I had to have it like I wore it with this battery thing and I was running the battery pack down my shirt and like this is dangling off and it just seemed like really annoying. Um, whereas, you know, I could take this. I mean, it's so thin and light. Maybe I would even uh, take like a pin or something and pin it right here uh, where people could better see it. So, you know, I think... That, yeah, that's um, not a bad idea at all. So, so I would. So I think the fact that it's e ink that you don't have to, uh, that you, you know, you could just set it and forget it, is uh, is pretty powerful. Of course, this doesn't have to be a, a badge, right? You could use this. You could just. Um, this has like mounting holes on it. You can see. You could take like little mounts or whatever and 
and prop it on your desk or put it in a little holder and you could have it sit there as like a, I don't know, status for something um, and never, you know, stationary and never leave your desk with it if you wish. So it's not, um, you know, you could do that with it too. Uh, or you could even use it, come to think of it as like a refrigerator magnet or something. Um, I guess you have to find a place yeah, to put a magnet. But I had, I actually, um, Adafruit made something like this that was not meant to be a badge and didn't have Raspberry Pi Pico. And I still have it here. I think it was using like ESP32 chip instead. And you, it it came with little, you know, you probably could do this little like feet you could stick in these holes and like put it on a fridge. So um, you could absolutely make it a fridge magnet and maybe maybe there putting a little bit of a bulky battery on it wouldn't um you know wouldn't be the end of the world but uh you know that's the that's the main drawback i mean i wish they would make it in color that would be really cool uh the color what they do make ones in color but they're not this size and shape and uh, i think this size and shape is probably like a really good size and shape for for a badge versus you know versus something like this which is so big right this is more like a photo frame yeah it is um so anyway all right and i imagine uh you've got so you've got something yes we actually this, do right? oh i should say we do have a review of this uh um, we've had it for a while actually because les wrote it on tomsardware.com so look for the badger 2040 or 2040w review on our website but i just uh this isn't something i'm actually personally reviewing because we already reviewed it uh they had a sale a couple weeks ago and i bought it and i've been playing with it and i was like hey i think this might be a cool thing to share on the show yeah for sure i always i always love the little toy things right like while you're talking i'm thinking to myself i have three ideas already on how to put this to use for CES. Yeah, it, it, it's cool. Like, you know, screens everywhere, right? And you even put it here on your hat or whatever. I mean, I have, <laughs> I have an, I have an ambition. I'm just going to say this on the air. Cause I know nobody watches. I don't mean nobody watches. I mean, nobody who, who's my boss watches. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I, I, I would love to, to, uh, I, I've thought about putting stuff on here, which just shows like how well our website is doing and wearing it around the office. <laughs> like, you know, like just to sort of subtly, subtly hint to that, to everybody I meet that's like, hey, our website's doing, you know, our website, you know, here's how much traffic we had yesterday or whatever. Um, of course, if it's not, if it wasn't a good day, then maybe I won't wear it. But, um, you know, something like that, maybe something like that to, you know, make a subtle statement, at, subtle statement at work. I don't know. Maybe uh, wear it to Maker Fair or something like that uh, with the URLs on it. So for uh, to get people to go to our website where it's CES, I will figure out some uses like that. I absolutely believe you. <laughs> yeah. Definitely can't wait to see. Uh... 
Oh god, okay. I I can't wait to see what you do from the chat. Every thousand hits he gets an electric shock. That seems like a dangerous game to play. Wait, so so you're but then that means I don't want to get the right. thousand hits. That would right? be that would be disincentivizing. Every it should be it every should, thousand hits you get I the opportunity to shock somebody else. How about if I don't get a thousand hits, I get an electric shock. There you go. Um, but FYI, this doesn't have haptics in it. So although it does have, I didn't mention this because I don't know how many people in the, uh, in the audience would care about this, but this does have a, a quick or Stemma QT uh, connector in the back. So you can connect different kinds of peripherals to it, hmm. uh, different types of sensors and thing, and sensors and maybe even lights and motors and things to this. And program them in MicroPython. So I don't know if there's a you know a uh, uh, quick you know like shocker, <laughs> but um, stun gun or whatever. But you know someone probably could could create one because they could probably it, it has to use like an I squared C interface. So they could and you can probably like do the connector. So you probably could find a way of shocking somebody with this. Uh, if the voltage was good enough. Uh, oh, uh, he says it was a joke. He did not mean to disincentivize, but more importantly, isn't there a watch that will wake you up with a little shock? <laughs> I think so. I'm not aware of that. I'm not aware of that, but that sounds interesting. Please, please tell me which one it is. <laughs> I won't be wearing it. That's a good idea. Well, <laughs> Anyway, Avram, as always, uh, love to hear uh, this stuff. This one in particular has got me with all kinds of ideas going. Super excited. Uh, and I look forward to what we talk about next time. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by EXA. EXA brings the latest technology to gamers, offering the most immersive products for the ultimate gaming experience. They've compiled the best elements of cutting-edge ENC tech, the latest in Bluetooth 5.0 and 7.1 surround, plus extra features into their headsets so everyone can enjoy a sensational gaming experience. And they've got headsets for Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC. Plus, they won't break the bank. Learn more about the headsets that are available and any current promotions by going to f5live.tv slash exa. The saga of E3 is one that seems like it just won't end, although it may have this week. In the early days, if you don't know E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, though I have not seen them use the words in a number of years, just like CES, um, E3 uh, was the place to go. There had been gaming at CES, there had been gaming at uh, some of the European and Asian tech shows, but E3 brought the gaming community together in one place. It was a big deal. Publishers could show off uh, games, developers could show off early games, hardware 
The original Xbox was first announced during an E3 press conference. The press conferences were big. They were so big they had to take place in different buildings. Um, It was a big deal. But credentialing went a little sideways. And at some point, all you had to do was have a a GeoCities website that had the word video games on it. And that was usually enough to get you credentialed into what was supposed to be an industry-only event. Then they overcorrected. And they... uh, they locked the show down, and that included not allowing anybody from new media to be involved. So, if you were a tech publication that also had a print magazine, for example, Laptop Mag, <laughs> the year that we couldn't quite get in correctly, uh, Laptop Mag did, uh, our friend Cherie was there, um, because there was print involved. Uh, without that, I don't think they'd have credentialed her either. Um, and so it was a huge thing. They really locked down and they lost a lot of people. And over time, it didn't get better. The, the internals seemed to be a mix of chaos and incompetence, or maybe just one or the other, but I suspect a mix of the two. Um, and then COVID happened. With CES... COVID showed us the value of being in a room together. With E3 uh, and the gaming industry, it showed us the value of digital distribution directly to our consoles. Uh, And we all felt we needed to get back to CES, and generally nobody felt like they needed to get back to E3. That included the companies that were exhibiting. And so 2020, 2021, 2022... Uh, COVID took down E3. Then ReadPop. If you don't know who ReadPop is, they run everything from PAX to uh, Florida Supercon, which we used to cover in the old days uh, and might start doing again now that ReadPop's in charge. Um, They teamed up with the ESA to manage the 2023 show, which also didn't happen. This week, ReadPop announced... They're out. We're not going to be involved in this anymore going forward. Um, We love E3, but uh, good luck. And on the immediate heels of that, the ESA, the owners of E3, (laughs) announced that E3 2024 would also not be happening. So I think 2020, 21, 22, 23, 24... I think that's long enough to uh, to finally admit that E3 is not coming back. That I don't think there's a way that you can take five years off from a trade show where Gamescom Con has has grown huge uh, and about a half dozen others. Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony have all shown that their digital presentations on their schedule when they want work way better than doing it on the ESA's schedule. I don't think it's coming back. Yeah, I agree with you. So when you, I just always tend to see the broad picture or try to see the broad picture Mm -hmm. on trade shows. So E3, what were they accomplishing at E3? Were they doing it primarily for the media or were they doing it primarily for 
industry networking, selling things? What were they what were they trying to accomplish? Um, media was probably 70% of it. Uh, 25% of it was probably publishers and, uh, other industry investors and stuff finding smaller projects that they wanted to invest in, in one way or another publishers, you know, offering to publish or investors putting money into a studio. And the other 5% was some sort of networking, uh, but because it was such a big show and yet somehow tiny at the same time, um, I'll, I'll tell you, the last year that I physically attended, I got a lot more out of Showstoppers than I did out of E3. Uh, just way easier to, to deal with. Showstoppers, I mean, it was a little different than the Showstoppers that, that you and I know from CES significantly scaled down. But it was basically the same show. It was in a bar. Uh, they had basically taken over a uh, like a bar and grill type thing. The booths were all there. I got to talk. You know, I got to sit down and talk with uh, I think HyperX for like twenty minutes. On the show floor, you get ninety seconds at best. Yeah. So I, I love show. You know, I don't think most people, know, unless you've been to CES or something, would know what Showstoppers is. But it's one of those nighttime shows that they have just for the press to go and they have a bunch of booths and companies in there. You can only get in if you, your credential press. Yeah. But CES and Computex and IFA and a lot, and I don't know, is, would this be true of Gamescom also are events that we, we're, we think of them as journalism events. Oh, mm -hmm. great. We're going to go, and we're going to do all this coverage. But I don't think they would exist if that was all they were for. I think they yeah. exist to help companies sell things and not to us, like, and not to our readers, to each Liars. other's, right? Yeah. To, so if the show wasn't doing a good job of that, then that's why they don't need to exist because, but they also publicity. They also weren't doing a good job anymore of getting people excited about the games. The The big three essentially stopped participating. Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. They basically did their own thing, sometimes on the same schedule, sometimes within a couple of days. From HQ. So Microsoft didn't have to, have to rent out the, the Nokia theater for several days to build a stage, do a press conference, tear down a stage. They just did it in the same room that they usually do the surface events from, you know, their big, cool virtual studio that I so badly want to go into. Um, Nintendo, they didn't even have to send anybody to this continent, you know? <laughs> so they basically stopped participating and they discovered it was easier to not because they could talk directly to the customers in a way that they couldn't quite do in a big room where you're looking at media. And if they wanted demos, they could put them on the store. Well, see, but see, here's the thing. What then why do other trade shows still exist? Because they could do the same thing. Ah, because other trade shows are, like you said, are more focused, not on the, the end user, but on the industry. 
E3 wanted to be a gaming party. They wanted to be a big gaming party. They're a bunch of doofuses. I've talked to a number of them. I've gotten into fights with a couple of them. They're, they're, they're just a group of doofuses. Like, they're just gamers. They were like, hey, what if we did a big show? Which is a little different than even, say, PAX, right? PAX got started as they knew what they were going to be. They were a convention, not a trade show. E3 tried to build itself as a trade show, as an expo, while catering to consumers who weren't allowed in. PAX said, no, no, this is for consumers. We don't care about anybody else. You pay to get in, and uh, you can interact with whatever entertainment stuff is here. You know, if Universal sets up a thing, great. It was basically um, uh, Comic-Con, but with a heavier focus on games. And it has been a big success. And then you've got Gamescom, which is very industry. So much so that we don't usually even talk about what happens there on the show. Because it's usually very industry focused. So they knew who they were. I don't think E3 ever quite knew who they wanted to be or what they were trying to accomplish. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. It's just interesting to me because there are companies like CES, I feel like over the years, obviously much bigger show. But CES over the years, we've seen a lot of companies kind of pull out of it. Uh, and I don't mean they pull out in terms of necessarily like they won't participate at all, right. but they don't make big announcements. Right. But Microsoft still, still has companies... Microsoft still has a well, one big booth and a couple of small, and they partner with people, then they've got all their meeting rooms and but they stop doing their press conference. They're just showing right. what's they already do... already happening. Right. I- exactly. But we still have Intel, NVIDIA, mm-hmm. AMD, Qualcomm often, like chip makers, often will make announcements mm-hmm. at CES. We often will see for the first time, we always will see for the first time a bunch of new laptops, a bunch of new desktops. So there are a lot of companies that are hooking, even companies that are really big and don't really need to from a press perspective anyway, right. hooking their wagon to uh, to CES mm-hmm. uh, and hooking their wagon to Computex. Whereas, you know, there are a lot of companies that don't need to, like Intel doesn't need, I mean, they must get some benefit out of being at the show, but they don't need to give the keynote. They don't need to right. be, to announce new things. They can right. hold their own event and they have held their own events many times and they don't need CES to do it. Now, you know, does Razer need CES to, to do it, to, to get, the attention that they want maybe maybe does you know cooler because they get or... they get a ton of attention because the weird whatever weird thing they're showing off they always show off some weird thing whether it be a prototype dual screen laptop or a keyboard that's bigger than your car uh they've, they're always showing uh, yeah, off something weird and that puts their name in front of customers because everybody wants to write yeah, I mean, about or touch the weird thing. Maybe that was a not, maybe that was a great example or a terrible example. I'm thinking of like other companies are sort of at the, I don't know, notoriety level of Razor or, mm-hmm. or below, you know, like, you know, Corsair, right. You know, Cooler Master, Steel Series, like, you know, they're not going to get as much um, 
attention probably from holding their own press event right. or holding their own con. Right. Yeah, exactly. Being at CES is helpful because, you know, the buyers for best buyer there, right? And they can put their hands on next year's product. This is what we're talking about. All right, let's go have a conversation about how many we're going to buy. You know, it's way easier than flying buyers into their offices or whatever. They're all going to be right. in the room at the same time. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. But that's not at all what E3 was about. It was, and it's interesting. So there's a comment in the chat. Epcot needs to bring back interventions. Totally agree with that, that sentiment. Theoretically not related, but it kind of is. Because interventions, which was uh, one of the big sections at Epcot, was like a hands-on play zone for future tech. They knew who they were. It was all about consumers getting to see future things. They partnered with companies. Uh, Intel uh, has been a partner for a long time at Epcot. and you know, So you'd get to see future stuff. They knew what they were. That was all about consumers touching stuff. And it was a success until Disney kind of gave up on Epcot. But that's a whole different issue. Uh, that... That is the same thing as CES. CES knows who they are. PAX knows who they are. E3 never did. And I think that's... And and I think Reed Pop getting involved, they thought the ESA knew what E3 was. Or they had a vision for it. That's more likely. They had a vision for it. And the ESA went, well, that's not what we want it to be. All right. So. Anyway. Uh... We've had our problems with E3 over here for quite a while. Um, we predicted many years ago that this was an inevitability. And here it is. It's sad to see, you know, a long time, you know, industry staple go away. But I don't think it was needed anymore. I think there's better shows, better ways to accomplish what people wanted out of the show. But the show never wanted to give them. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that traditional antivirus software can't stop, plus it actively blocks threats like worms, rogues, dialers, trojans, spyware, and a whole lot more. It allows you to use your computer and mobile devices with confidence and peace of mind. To learn more and to get a special price, you can go to f5live.tv slash Malwarebytes. One of the biggest complaints about social media platforms has been the unpredictability of it, the unknowingness of it. Whether it be Facebook and Twitter or YouTube, we've talked about the black hole that is the unwritten rules for said platforms. There's stuff that's public. There's stuff that pro that's private. We don't necessarily know on any platform what content moderation actually looks like. Um, there are certain uh, content producers that have sued each and every one of the social media 
uh, companies and or at least the video companies in particular. And there's uh, one that has sued all of them. Uh, and it's all over this black box that is content moderation. California has a law that's going into effect that um, it's trying to shine some light into those black boxes. In particular, they want in the, um, not the privacy policy, but the usage policy of these platforms spelled out what the moderation policies are. Now, here's the thing. That is a very hard ask. Um, basically what they've asked for is to track stats for a period of time on what has caused moderation activities and then put that in the, the, the user policies. Twitter, X, Elon Musk, however, whatever brand we want to put on, uh, that platform right now, um, has had the weirdest relationship with content moderation over the last, let's say, year and a half, two years. Um, Before Elon Musk bought the company, its content moderation was confusing. Elon Musk's pitch when purchasing the company was that it was going to be a more transparent, more open, less moderated platform. That's kind of happened, but it's actually gotten more confusing because stuff that in the past was being uh, blocked or demoted in in reach has still seen that and then stuff that in the past wasn't has been punished even harsher and based on what rules well I think like what Avram said in another segment whim, particularly of Elon Musk himself, because he doesn't talk to anybody before he does things. He just does things. Um, so like the Elon jet at Elon jet that tracked the public transponder information of his private jet and still made it public was suspended. Why? Don't worry about it. So, so Twitter X, uh, has filed suit against the state of California to try to prevent them from uh, enforcing this new law. Here's the thing. Generally, their arguments are not related. Um, I am, you know, we've, we've had our conversations on this. I'm a little more on the, on the lax side. But this, his arguments aren't that. It's not, we have an open platform, we have our things published, or we don't want encroachment on the First Amendment. It's, it's more like we're, it's a violation of Section 230. What? I'm going to need you to show your work on that one, because the, the explanation in the actual filing I can't, I don't follow the reasoning on how it's a violation of Section 230. They're not telling you what to moderate. They're just telling you to be open about how you're moderating, which I think is a good thing. 
I'd like to know what the rules are. We've complained about it on YouTube a lot. I'd like to know what the rules are. Happy to play by rules. It's your platform. I get it. I just want to know what the rules are. But this doesn't seem to be that. Unless, Avram, here's here's my conspiracy theory pitch. That, that they're doing things that they shouldn't be. They're moderating on things that either are against what he promised up front or that he thinks will make the community angry and he doesn't want the light shown on it. And that's entirely what it is. That's my pitch. Yeah, so... Hmm. I, I was just looking at the text of Section 230, mm-hmm. right, of the actual text of Section 230, uh, and it says here, uh, quote, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be held liable on account of A, any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access to or availability of material that the provider or user considers to be obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or other otherwise objectionable. Okay. Right? So that could mean anything, right? Sure. Other, whether so the company, or not such material... The company or the, the user base considers yes. objectionable. Okay. Right. Whether right. or not such material is constitutionally protected. Or B... Any action taken to enable or make available to information content providers or others the technical means to restrict access to material described in paragraph one. In other words, we can allow you to block. It's not users. It's block other users. Yeah. Um, So what, what does this act what how could this actually like affect them i suppose i suppose that if you don't if you list something if you list your moderation policies and then you don't follow them could that possibly make you liable like you say that you're going to do x y and z but then you don't do it exactly as you said therefore or by the way, no, there was one part of this I'd never heard before. Taken in good faith. Hmm. What's good faith? Right. Is is banning people who say bad things about Elon Musk on the platform good a good faith effort? Is banning is like not banning people who promote a political ideology that he likes um but may violate other things good faith like what constitutes good faith right yeah that there uh that's always like i always hate vagueness in law right so taken in good faith that could actually be I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but it seems like that could mean something. But also, I think overall, the reason that they don't want to do it, I, I almost can't blame them. Because, uh, like, I, I think because it's Musk and he's his his thing has just been, like, such a crazy 
situation right now with who mm-hmm. he's banning and what he's doing that uh, it would be embarrassing. Uh, they don't. I don't think they have a written policy, so they'd have to actually write one. And if they wrote one, then they might have to follow it. Um, and I think that would be be very problematic because I think it's really seat of the pants, whatever floats his boat that day. Um, but I do like we have forums on Tom's Hardware, and mm-hmm. occasionally, and we have moderators of the forums, and occasionally i will get a message from and i don't i'm not the monitors don't report to me right they have another group that they, that that runs it and occasionally i will get messages from irate forum posters who say like why did you guys ban me or why did you erase my post and like i'll be real honest like I don't always know the circumstances. Mm-hmm. I don't know the circumstances usually of why someone's post was banned. And I'll, I'll like forward that mail to the person who's in charge. And they'll always say to me like, oh, there was a really good reason. Right. Uh, but I can see that some of this stuff, there is a level of, there is a level of subjectivity, right? There's a level of like, yeah. oh, is what you said. Like, you know, we might have rules like, Oh, don't talk about like we don't want people to talk about politics on the tech forum. Sure. But is there something that they said that sort of, hey, we our moderator thought it was political, but it was political, but the person posting it didn't, you know, or mm-hmm. you know, don't talk, don't talk about violence or something like that. Like, um, so I think moderators can be very like moderators are human, right? So if you are are putting up a policy and then somebody says, oh, wow, I think your moderator, and by the way, a lot of people use volunteer moderators. They're not, you know, yeah. oh, I think your moderator shouldn't have banned me uh, or shouldn't have banned my, or shouldn't have deleted my post. And, and then you have to, and then if you were, say look here's your policy and you you didn't live up to your policy and i want yeah. and now i'm going to sue you like i i could i could totally see a company being very spooked by that like being very scared by that that like you know we have a we have a human element here that involves some judgment and you know someone could you know could would this open the door to somebody suing us maybe better not to write maybe better not to have it published pu- published uh where everyone can see it so like now in their case though if they were to try to write up a a policy it would be really patently obvious that they weren't following it probably because they wouldn't write up a policy that said our policy is to ban whoever elon Musk dislikes today like right <laughs> and not and not ban whoever he agrees with even if they even if they violate these these terms right and right and they're going to continue to have terms right they're not you know and i see this all the time like i see i mean what i mean is i see all the time people i know posting up stuff on twitter on x whatever you want to call it uh saying like oh i reported this person for say for dming or posting this like really offensive thing that was really insulting and and 
like bigoted and then the you know complaint department got back to me and said no this didn't violate our rules so yeah i think it's a hot potato like it's a hot potato if you're the business it's a really hot potato dealing with who gets banned and what gets deleted and even those who try to do a good job will um who try in, in good faith to maintain like a, a a fair community with with even equally enforced rules have a hard time. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's it's complicated, right? I I can see the possibility of it opening up future liability that doesn't exist now that anger from the community yeah no, none of it's none of it's good i it would be great if if there were more detailed standards but maybe not necessarily this is a hundred percent we still have some some human element but like i always go back to youtube right i twitter is its own weird it's kind of always been its own weird chaos engine but I go back to YouTube. We lose views all the time. They don't talk. I can't get them to explain what that means. Did people go back in time and not watch the video? I, I have friends that have had videos. Perfectly normal. Nothing videos. Get pulled. Why? Mm. Just violation of community standards. Can I get more detail than that? No. And, you know, YouTube has what they call the Crowder rule, which is the, it's not written, but we don't care. <laughs> it's actually what they call it internally is the Crowder rule. Um, it's not a written rule, but we're going to do it anyway. That makes it hard to do interesting things on the platform. So a little more detail, maybe not all out. Maybe there's a middle ground that we can find. But I, I get I get what you're saying. the The human element makes it a more complicated situation to have. Right. To I mean, with. they sh- they should. Let's be clear. They should put they should put it out. They should put something out. I don't know whether putting it out actually would make them liable for, you know, judicial review of right. banning someone or deleting a post or something. But. I, I understand why they don't want to, but at the same time, it's probably for the best if they do put it out because you're right. right. Like if you're putting something up and you don't know how, why it violated the rules, uh-huh. like I got, I got permanently, you know, I got permanently banned from a subreddit the other day. Hmm. Right. And, and I really think the person was being unfair to me, but you know, uh, and they wouldn't explain why. They're like, "Well, you should know why." Like it was. Well, if you uh, don't know, I'm not going to tell you. Must have been a Linux forum. Yes. No, it was. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was. I'll tell. I, I'll tell everybody because I don't think I did anything particularly wrong, but probably inappropriate. But you know how Reddit is. So uh, our Reddit is a great. Like uh, I love. You know, I say this really. I love Reddit, and Reddit has been a great source of traffic for for tom's hardware a lot of uh people particular subreddits people post uh people not 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 us like 
people who who read readers mm -hmm. um have posted links to our articles and we get a good amount of traffic from that and so you know anything we can do to to let people on reddit know about our content sure we want to do it because reddit is a great source for us and, and is a great match for our type of people who like to discuss things or whatever so i uh started to go into the r technology subreddit and the r technology subreddit is the really broad like about any kind of technology sure. and it's got several million users and for like a month or two you know every week or two i would go in there and it doesn't say that you can't promote your own work it does not say that okay. specifically in their in their terms of service uh so i would go in there and i would post a link to a like broad interest story that i did right that you could post links i would post you know links to like my ai stories and sure. they would get a ton of comments like you know and, and upvotes and stuff like 200 300 people upvoting or commenting or whatever wow. like it was it was really nice to see right uh i mean i i would just like to go in there and read the comments that people had because while they could comment on our forum they probably more likely to comment on reddit because they're already uh, there bit. so they were already there right um so uh, I, I really enjoyed uh doing it and then one day uh like maybe it was like the sixth or seventh time in like two months i had posted there they they i my post got deleted and i was banned even though my post has gotten like tons of upvotes it was a, it was a link to one of my ai articles that's sure what was. that's all, all it was right and the and the person and i and like i wrote to the moderator who did it and i was like why you know i don't understand what i did can you explain it and they're like well you should know better and everybody and i bet i ban so many people from your company because none of you follow rules and you think the rules don't apply to you and and i wrote the person back and i was like hey what rules i don't understand and they and they muted me that i can't write to them again all right. right and and first of all this person wouldn't explain what rule it was that i broke second of all they have some bias against people who work for our publishing company and said that they banned a whole bunch of them and i'm constantly banning you guys because you can't follow rules and you don't think it applies to you so 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 they're biased against us it doesn't say that we can't post that we didn't get a warning you know and, and uh and and they kick and they kicked me out and people like my posts right um so see a little more transparency so, somewhere in the middle maybe we can meet right, somewhere so, in the middle. And this, this person was probably a volunteer moderator right yeah. and no one can can stop and, them it's their own little in, fiefdom in fairness there has been this whole big reddit moderator issue um it, there there were like two or three articles that came up in my research for the show this week they were all about the issues going on with moderation at reddit um you know after the the what the reddit blackout a couple months ago right. there's been you know there's been issues with with moderation um so it could also be in you know come down to that right there's all kinds of of possibilities or it could just be a full-on bias. Yeah. And have I guess nothing to do with anything else. Work, I guess other people who work for Future, and he realized 
who I was or whatever it was okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's in my profile, so whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, what a, a anyway. So yes, I can see that if Reddit put up their rule, which they do for each Reddit, but you know, who am I to appeal to? And I, right. you know, I don't want any trouble, but, uh, fair any enough. more trouble, but, but, fair enough. but that, but that's, you know, I understand why people want it, the rules posted. And I also understand why companies would, would be like, Hey, wait a second. We don't want to have to like overly scrutinize. Yeah, for sure. Makes sense. Well, it would, it'll be interesting to see if they're able to get a preliminary injunction on this. My guess is no, no way it happens. And this goes into effect as normal, uh, on its date. This week's DRM Not Included in F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We all know that you get free shipping on millions of products with Amazon Prime, but you get a whole lot more. Like free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games and a free Twitch subscription to support the content creator of your choice with Amazon Prime Gaming, plus a whole lot more. We've got links to all of these features and some of our favorites, plus a 30-day free trial, all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. All right, so we were just talking about YouTube, among other things, um, and their content moderation policies. Uh, one of the things that is involved in moderation on YouTube is the strike system or the uh, copyright uh, you know, resolution, the DMCA uh, system. There are a couple of ways. If you are a content owner and you find infringing content on YouTube, there are a couple of ways that you can interact with it. First, you can just ignore it. Uh, second, you can send a seven-day warning uh, where the offending channel has seven days in which to respond and remove the content uh, before it will be deleted for them and a strike will be issued, or you can just issue a strike. Uh, in my experience, most people use the seven-day option because, you know, especially like, so in our case, we use the seven-day option when we have to issue uh, copyright notices, which happens way more frequently than you might think. Um, because, you know, the people who are publishing it may not understand, they may not know, whatever. Let's say, you know, a guest from CES may not understand that they can't just download the video and re-upload it on their channel. Um, so we offer, you know, we do a seven-day notice, the videos either get removed and no strike happens, or they don't, and they get struck. Sometimes, however, people are a little more uh, on edge than that, and they issue a strike right off the bat. Um, and that's what happened between Sony and the Museum of Classic Chicago TV. Now, we're not going to exactly... We won't get into the copyright issues just yet, 
uh, of what was happening, but this museum is trying to preserve old television. Commercials, news segments, and occasionally TV episodes. In this case, from what I can tell, there were seven uh, Bewitched episodes from the 1960s. Don't know why these were chosen. Don't know any of that. Whatever. All I know is Sony is the rights holder, and they issued content strikes uh, to the YouTube channel for the Museum of Classic Chicago TV. Now, here's the thing. Real hard to appeal a strike. Now, a strike can be revoked at any time, uh, immediately or years later. You can go in and revoke a strike. But the important thing to know is at three strikes, just like baseball, you're out. Um, Three content strikes, three copyright strikes, and your channel is gone, and you're not allowed to have another one. It's a huge punishment. We've seen all kinds of channels go through content strikes, not necessarily copyright strikes, but also content strikes. Three, and the channel's gone. They received seven at once. Uh, Chief Curator Rick Klein tried to reach out to Sony, but, you know, behemoth that they are, getting a hold of uh, the legal department was a challenge. Uh, They had already removed the the offending content, but time was ticking down for when their channel was going to be removed. Uh, Fortunately, though, um, some news articles were published. Sony saw their name show up in Google Alerts, uh, reached out to him, said, uh, yeah, if the content's gone, we'll revoke the strike, and so the channel gets to stay. Interesting story made more interesting by the fact that what what did he think was going to happen? <laughs> right? It, it doesn't fall under fair use for several reasons, not the least of which is fair use does not cover an entire work. Um, so, I understand fair use. The whole goal of fair use is to um, kind of find a balance between... Uh, you know, public good and private ownership. Got it. But this does not... I know a lot about fair use, and this doesn't fall under it at all. So, what did he expect was going to happen? And it's not the first time he's gotten he's gotten notices. All the rest have been seven-day yeah. notices. But so, he knows what he's up against. It, I don't know. The whole thing is weird to me. I understand the idea yeah. of trying to preserve old television. That's great. There's all kinds of stuff that has been lost to time. Even stuff is as recent as the 90s. Uh, the only reason that you can stream a show like Sliders is because somebody had it on VHS. Go stream right now. Go stream Sliders. And you'll see it's very clearly taken off of somebody's VHS. because apparently I guess that show was just lost to time. The DVD is the same way. It's just a VHS copy. I don't know if it was, you know, recorded at home or what, but it's not what was aired. That's weird. That's weird. So some stuff seems to have just been lost to time. I understand. Let's try and preserve it. Putting it on YouTube is not the way to do it. Not, Not bewitched though. 
Certainly not. Um, the, certainly not the movie. Well, the movie. Nobody watched that. Exactly. I mean, but I'm I'm talking about like the those shows. I mean, they still air in reruns. Or whatever mm-hmm. they still are. I bet I haven't looked into this, but I bet you could find Bewitched streaming or on Blu-ray. Uh, it was a pretty major show. I and bet it's also, on Nick at Night tonight. Chicago. Probably. So that's a poor, like. That's a poor example of something that you'd have to preserve. And the con- I don't know if there's any, I don't, was Bewitch supposed to be taking place in Chicago? Even if it was, that's not know. really a, but that's not really. Why seven episodes? To, you know, now I want everything to about it is weird. Lo- there's a lot of old television on, there's a lot of old television that's hanging around on YouTube and and probably is breaking somebody's copyright and mm-hmm. probably there's at least some some of it may be so obscure that it really is hard to get yeah um uh, really is hard to come by and others of it might not be that hard to come by um and you can still watch on youtube so there is you know i think the thing here is he had a I guess, well-known, reputable channel or a supposedly reputable channel. Yeah. Uh, Not but a non-profit organization a, behind it and everything. But there's a lot of YouTube channels that are set up that just have a ton of copyright material. And, you know, let's, let's be fair here. Google is making, probably making hands over fist ad revenue on other people's copyrighted material every day because people come on and there's, there's songs you can just listen to a whole song there there's episodes of classic tv shows um all the time old movies now sometimes you know sometimes it's something that wow you would be hard pressed to to find this uh to find this content on streaming yeah uh or or somewhere it's it's really obscure and you know it might violate somebody's copyright but it sure does some kind of public service sure. the other day the other day now maybe you can easily get this on I, I didn't really look into it the other day i was trying to make a reference to something that happened in the show what's happening and sure. uh are you familiar with what's happening of course oh not everyone from you know and so I looked up an episode of what's happening and they had the whole episode on you, somebody's YouTube channel. Sure. And I don't know how easy it is to get what's happening. And I certainly wouldn't want to buy a whole box set of what's happening for a hundred dollars to figure out what exactly happened in an episode that I saw like 40 years ago or something. Right. But you know, I was trying to make a point, which maybe in my coming article about how uh, there was an episode with the Doobie Brothers that tells us everything that we need to know about in, in, about AI today. Because Rerun was convinced. Did you see this one? Rerun, it's on YouTube. Rerun was convinced that uh, to go undercover to a Doobie Brothers concert and wear a tape recorder under his uh, jacket uh, and to tape it for some crook or something mm-hmm. and then he gets caught because the tape recorder which is one of those terrible old tape recorders that the concert was sound awful on because it was you know one of those whatever mono yeah. tape recorders 
and falls out and then the doobie brothers are like aha we caught you right and yes. uh, my my point and i just wanted to make sure that that actually happened as i remembered it because yeah i want to say that um that like this is just like ai like he's allowed training rerun is allowed to go to the concert but he's not allowed to bring his machine learning his tape with him right what a human is allowed to do and a machine are allowed to do are two different things sure i don't know that a, fa a, fascinating that episode, that very special, a very special episode is every what i think about when i think about ai and machine learning anyway also um, fascinating <laughs> but yes they're on youtube and you could watch it and so there's a lot of stuff like that on youtube that like it's just mm -hmm. kind of there and but there's modern this stuff is a non-profit this is a non-profit they should know better yep uh they should know better than this i kind of can't blame like yes i get it sony was being a little extreme but on the other hand you have somebody who's really flagrantly violating their copyright and yeah maybe they want to make i don't know if they've ever issued something to this person before but they're probably thinking like just you know this is pretty flagrant we're not you know they probably yeah. have to issue they also probably have to issue dozens of these a week or, or hundreds of these a week or something so so they use a content matching system um as most of the big companies do uh so it wasn't technically issued directly by them it was issued by a system uh but they set the system to issue immediate strikes so and then uh, didn't have any way to contact them um like we have yeah, a way so our strike you know when we give a seven day it comes with my contact information um because if there's an issue i want to hear about it you know contact me explain to me why this has happened we'll have a conversation that's not at all what happened here it was just here's your strike moving on so and that had to be set by them um i've i've been inside the content matching system that they use um and it's fully customizable you can you know put thresholds and all kind all kinds of stuff so anyway it's a it's an interesting story because it's that weird line between preservation and and copyright infringement and like you said it's not like you can't find bewitched i just checked we could watch it this week it's apparently airing on logo this week interesting uh -huh. choice an interesting choice but whatever i think it's a universal like logo is a universal network um so they must have the have the rights to it they're airing it wherever they're airing it. So it's not like it's disappearing anytime soon. It's airing this week. So, you know, it's it's a weird choice kind of all around. So, but at least, right. at least they did back up off of the strike and move to a more human response of, uh, of revoking the strikes. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. I will just say I too miss the original X mods from Radio Shack, even though 
I have about a dozen of them uh, here in the office. Uh, anyway, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's coming from our chat room. If you'd like to participate in our live chat, you can do so Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. Um, if you're not able to join us live, that's okay as well. Plugkidslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, F5 Live, Pilchpoint, Plugkids Live Presents, Unboxed, How To, and a whole lot more. And find all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. Um, things seem to be normal right now. So we'll just go with that uh, for now. Uh, so... On behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Aram. And we will see you back next time. Ciao.